What it do, fam? This is episode five of Kevry Podcast. Welcome back. I am no longer sick, so I can breathe out of my nose. I don't need to have a lot of energy or high energy today because this episode is going to be a lot darker. Now, I have a question for y'all. Have you ever had somebody in your life or a complete stranger that absolutely creeped you the hell out? I mean, to the point where you had this uh, experience with them where it was just like so scary or so abnormal that you was just like, hell to the no. Well, if so, you will relate to this topic today. This is called Let's Not Meet Again. It is where you have these experiences where, you know, you meet somebody, you could be on the camping ground, you could be at work, you can be at, you know, in your neighborhood, some real creepy stuff like you know, someone is just a weirdo and you just like, nah, let's not meet again. Man, I had paranormal experiences where, you know, when I lived in my old neighborhood when I was a younger boy, uh, we seen a black shadow, like a hand come out of a sink. We seen that same figure um, outside of my room as the door was cracked. Like, I always say, let's not meet again, especially to that ghost. That was so long ago. But yeah, you get what I'm saying. I'm going to jump right into these scary stories. But I have to give another warning, just like I did with the conspiracy theories. Some of these stories may and will be disturbing to a lot of my audiences. So please, you know, listen to it. Don't just don't listen to it alone. Like if you do just, you know, be strong at heart, because sometimes it make you not trust anybody out there, not just paranormal, but just strangers in general. I mean, you probably don't already trust them anyway, but this will definitely, you know, raise your red flags. Story one from Furstenfeld on Reddit. The title is, Have We Met Already? It's Friday night around 8.45 p.m. The little one's in bed, and I'm chilling with some friends online, gaming. There's a loud bang, and I'm instantly freaking out. Due to having my home, my safe place, invaded by some creeper twice in the past three months, I turned the volume on my computer down, trying to best to come up with excuses. Oh, it was the neighbors doing something. When their right minds would try to break into my house when they could see that I'm awake. Front outdoor light on, lounge light on. It's quiet for a while, so I return to playing the game and talking with my friends. That's when I hear rustling. I think it's coming from the game, despite the volume being super low. But to be on the safe side, I turn the sound on the computer completely off. The rustling's still there. At this point, I think it might be that annoying pest possum. The banging could have been it jumping onto the garage roof, and now it was snuffling around outside the leaves, searching for some food. As I said earlier, who would try to trespass when they could clearly see someone was home? If they did trespass, why would they be doing it so loudly? I want to say it put me at ease, but it didn't. Fast forward half an hour, and the noises have stopped, and my cat's begging me to let it outside. Little bastard, I love him, really. I hate opening doors, curtains, windows at night. Paranoia at its finest. But tonight, I had a reason to be paranoid, at least. I kept the chain lock on the door and let that fuzzball squeeze out and had a bit of a peek through the crack, seeing if anything was amiss on my front lawn. Nothing out of the ordinary. So I locked the door and head back into the lounge. Five minutes later, someone tries the door handle, finding it locked. I hear a laugh and they start scratching on the glass, so I frantically grabbed my phone to call the police. Whoever it was had left by the time they answered the phone, and the police couldn't find evidence that anyone has been on the property. They did a sweep of the neighborhood, but couldn't find anyone on the streets either. Whoever you are, 
I'd say let's not meet again, but I'm pretty sure you're the same person who came the other two times, and I'm fairly certain that the person was my ex. So, Mr. X, if it's you, smile on the cameras next time you come around. It just arrived in my mailbox. Story 2. This is from Cheese Shrice 1966. The title reads, A Day of Play Leads to Kidnapping. I've stalked this sub for a while and couldn't decide whether or not to post mine, but I'm feeling brave on this Monday. It was a very long time ago, back in 1973. I know it was summer. I was six. And we were living on Monica Lane in Madison, Wisconsin. Thing is, I sort of recall it but never put two and two together until a few months ago when I was talking to my mom and who went into great detail. I was a very gregarious child, outgoing, extroverted, friends with anyone. It was at the time a middle class neighborhood, and three houses down from ours on the same side of the street was a huge park. My mom was a nurse and my dad was a salesman. My mom worked second shift at Meritor while my dad worked days. I rarely had a babysitter, only if they went out for dinner or a movie. But they did go out often and there were always older kids in the neighborhood to babysit. One sitter who I really liked lived a few blocks or so away and down the street a little bit. Vicky had babysat a few times before that and it was pretty uneventful. She'd play games with me, do my hair, play dress up, pretty basic stuff. So anyhow, one day I had gone with my friends down to the park. I remember there was a ball field at the time and a sandlot next to the field. My friends wanted to play on the monkey bars, but I wanted to play in the sand. I looked at the sandbox and my babysitter Vicky was standing there. I told my friends I was going down to the sandbox and ran off. We played in the sand building a castle, and then she asked me if I wanted to go get something cold to drink. It was stifling hot, and of course I said yes. So she takes my hand and we start walking to her place. She starts telling me about her puppies and asking if I want to play with them. Of course, I get giggly and now can't wait to get to her house. This was where my memory had stopped and after my mom told me what happened, the rest of it flooded back. My mother just happened to be talking to my sister and I about some places we lived and we got to Monica Lane. I told her I remembered the park and how big it seemed and she asked me if I remember being kidnapped. I immediately thought she was kidding and then the look on her face told me otherwise. She said it was around five in the afternoon and one of my friends had come to the door to ask me to come back outside, assuming that I had gotten bored and walked back home. When my mom checked the house, she realized I wasn't there and seven months pregnant with my sister sprints to the park, screaming my name. After asking several kids if they seen me with no clue, she went to the ball field and asked the older boys if they seen me. One of the boys she assumed around 14 said that he seen a younger woman playing with a girl that fit my description in the sand and walked off in a general direction and that was all he knew. My mom ran across the street to one of the houses and asked to use their phone and called the police. By the time the police got there, my dad had come home and some of the neighbors were trying to help my mom. So there's this search party out looking for me, screaming my name and knocking on doors. The police had gone back to the park to ask the boys if they knew who had been with me and if they knew who she was. Between the boys and the neighbors, they had deduced who it was and had led me off, but I have no idea how, honestly. The police and the entourage go to her home. She lived there with her parents, but they weren't home, and knocked on the door. She came to the door and told them she hadn't seen me and that she'd been home all day. The police asked to come in and for some reason she said okay. 
They went through the house and went to the basement and found me. That's when my mom knew and then I remembered. It was literally like a floodgate had opened and I started crying. At six, you sort of trust everyone and she had been in our home. I never got a bad feeling from her and my parents didn't either. But when we walked into her house, I remember that cold, holy F feeling washing over me and getting worried. I remember starting to cry and saying I wanted to go home over and over. She takes me into the kitchen and gets me a glass of water and a tissue. I hear dogs barking and next to the kitchen is an open stairway that goes down and where the barking was coming from. She starts trying to fool me into going downstairs, telling me there's all sorts of toys and games. I reluctantly agree and she grabs my hand and head downstairs. The dogs are going nuttier and I start screaming. At this point, Vicky is getting effing bizarre. She's screaming at me, shut the F up. If you don't shut up, I will throw you in a cage with the dogs and they will eat you. Shut up, dragging me down the stairs and still screaming. I was scared out of my mind. I remember crying so hard, I was hyperventilating. And I am screaming so hard that I'm not making sounds. Vicky then flips a switch and starts being syrup sweet, trying to calm me down. She tells me that she was just playing a game and tells me she wants to play hide and seek. She must have been relatively skilled at calming me down because the next thing I know, I hear knocking on the door upstairs and I wasn't crying. The houses were all the same sort of tracked houses that Sears used to sell. Not huge, but not small. But you can hear everything at any spot in the house. I keep hearing knocking. She tells me that it's her friends. They're coming to play hide and seek. She convinced me to let her put a piece of masking tape over my mouth so I wouldn't make a sound and lifted me into this big wooden box next to the kennel. She put a big pile of blankets over me and told me to be really quiet so they didn't find me. The whole time the dogs were going batshit, but when she calmed me down, they calmed down too. They still looked incredibly mean, but they were no longer frothing at the mouth and only slightly growling until the knocking started. I remember scrunching in there, confused, still scared and convinced that the dogs were going to get out and eat me. I was crying again and hyperventilating. I remember taking the tape off my mouth because I couldn't breathe, but remembered I needed to be quiet because I was afraid what she'd do if I screamed. I laid in that smelly box next to the big bag of dog food, sweating to hell, tears rolling down my face. I sort of pushed the blankets to the side, but only enough so that I could pull them back over me when someone came. I recall thinking about my dad and wondering if he'd come find me. All of a sudden, I hear what sounds like adults yelling my name. They come down the stairs and the dogs are going batshit again. Over and over, men are yelling my name and then I hear a man say, if you don't shut those effing dogs up, I will. I was in a large storage box, like a carpenter's toolbox type of thing, with tape hanging over my mouth. When they opened the lid, I remember a very nice man asking me my name and if I was okay. I don't remember answering him in anything other than screams and tears and grabbing his neck so hard my dad had to practically pry me off of him. I remember my parents taking me to the hospital to be checked out and that's all I really remember. My mom said that Vicky was found guilty of attempting kidnapping. At last she knew she was in prison but couldn't remember when the last time she had heard anything. We moved from the area shortly thereafter and I haven't been back since. I do know that my mom said that her parents were odd, but they didn't know them. She had met Vicky from neighbors that used her as a babysitter and had never heard of anything bad and that I always seemed happy with her. She lived in the general neighborhood, but it would have been two blocks over and one block down. 
My mom said they never picked her up. She always walked over. When they get home, they drive her home, but they never notice anything out of the ordinary. Mom and dad had only met her parents when they came to the door to ask for forgiveness, that Vicky hadn't meant to do anything bad. It was a good girl. Mom said that my dad picked up her dad by the shirt and told him that if they ever came on our property again, he'd kill him. I remember her name and sort of what she looked like, but would have no idea who she was if she walked up to me. So Vicky, let's not meet again. Let's dive into this next one. It is from Redditor Scars and Stripes. It is called Roommate Wanted, Female Only. Amanda is my brother's girlfriend. At the time of this story, she was looking for her first apartment and moving out from her parents' house. Her and my brother didn't want to move in together since they had only dated for a few months. She opted instead to search for a roommate online, browsing Craigslist. She found an ad titled something like Roommate Wanted, Females Only. This sort of thing was common since the area she was looking in was mostly young professionals. The listing was for a room and a house for about $225 a month, which was quite cheap. The occupant listed herself as a 23-year-old college student that wasn't comfortable with living with any males. The other roommate would have their own room and attached bathroom. So far, Amanda was into this place. However, the listing only had a single photo from outside the property. Amanda sent an email wanting to meet the occupant and tour the house. Within 30 minutes, she receives an email back with all the details and time to stop by. The girl worked late hours and wanted Amanda to stop by by 8 p.m. When Amanda arrives, there is a handwritten note on the front door saying, door broken, use back door. Walking around the house, it looks nice, but slightly unkempt. Tall grass, weeds, dusty windows, etc. Still no alarms for Amanda though. When she knocks on the back door, an older man opens the door. At first Amanda thinks she has the wrong house, but the man reassures her and says that the occupant, I forget the name, was out and he was the landlord. The occupant asked him to meet Amanda since she was working late. He seemed pleasant and offered to show her around. Alarms start going off but aren't at red alert yet. First. The guy was clearly in his 40s, unshaven, and looked like he lived in his car. Also, only the kitchen light was on. As they walked around the house, Amanda noticed one huge red flag. No furniture. Nothing. The landlord was polite about answering questions but seemed irritable to keeping lights on for too long, rushing her around and only letting her look at rooms for a few moments. There was a single room that the landlord wouldn't open telling her that it was the occupant's room and he didn't want to invade her privacy. As they walked down the hallway into the living room, she notices the front door was a plank nailed across it. Broken for sure. Amanda's creepometer is starting to ding so she decides to wrap up the walkthrough and leave but trying to polite. As she's giving the guy her thanks for showing bit, he perks up and states that he forgot to show her the basement. It's recently furnished and would be a great rec room, and she would take a look down there. At the time, Amanda and the landlord are standing in the small hallway between the front living room and the back kitchen, and this little hallway was the basement door. When he opens the door, it opens outward to create something of a barrier between Amanda and the back door. The basement is pitch black. He smiles, 
motions down the stairs and says, ladies first. What happens next is nothing more than a stroke of luck. Amanda gets a text just as some random person parks in front of the house. Thinking on her feet, she pretends it's a phone call and answers her phone. Hey, yeah, are you here? I'll come out from around back and let you in. It's great, you have to see it. With the motion of confidence, she excuses herself around the landlord and walks out the back door. She says the guy just looked at her like he was so confused. Once outside, she sprinted to her car and sped the hell out of there. When Amanda got home, she told her mother and my brother everything. Cops were called. They took her statement and went to investigate. The Craigslist post had been removed. This is the epilogue to the story. The house had been foreclosed over six months earlier and the property has been abandoned. When the police investigated, they found that the closed room that the landlord didn't want her to look in was where the man had been staying. There was a pile of old dirty blankets, rotten food, and empty gallon jugs everywhere. More creepy was he had plastered ripped up pages from porno mags on all the walls in the room. Where do they even find porno mags? The really scary part of this was the basement. The man had tied a thin piece of fishing twine at about shin level across the stairs about halfway down. The basement was empty except another pile of old blankets, a broom handle wrapped in leather belts, and a small box with a few rolls of assorted tape, duck, electric, etc. Amanda ended up not moving in. Okay, let's read story number three. It is from Redditor Sweet Mercy. It is titled, Dr. Ramsey Stalked an Entire Family. A week or so before my 10th birthday, I walked to the corner store with a $5 bill and picked up a jar of ragu for my mom. On my way home, a man I'd never seen before fell in step with me and began talking. Hi, he said cheerfully. My name is Dr. Ramsey. I'm a pediatrician. Do you know what a pediatrician is? I walked along silently, not replying and fervently, hoping he would take the sign as he would leave me alone. Taking hints were not his strong suit, though, because he kept right on chattering. Are your parents looking for a pediatrician for you? Of course. You're almost a big girl now. You'll be needing another kind of doctor soon, won't you? That's okay, though. They can still bring you to me until then. What's your name? You have beautiful hair. I was just on my way to get some suckers for the candy jar in my office. Do you like suckers? Thankfully, we were near my house. So I ran forward, up the back stairs and into through the kitchen door. I didn't know it then, but that was the beginning of a very long, very scary ordeal. It didn't take long after that for Dr. Ramsey to begin showing up. At first, it seemed benign enough, at least to a kid. He was driving by nearly every day, smiling and waving. I told my mom, who said maybe it was on his way home from work. But then, the phone calls began. My dad called me into the living room and sat me down. He asked me about the day Dr. Ramsey followed me home, and if I talked to him. He said I wasn't in trouble, but that I needed to tell him the truth. I told him no, and if he asked if I was sure. Could I be forgetting something? I told him no, again. And he frowned and asked, then how does he know your name? I didn't know. It turns out 
that was not all he knew. He knew my sister's name as well. Pretty soon, neither my sister or I were allowed to answer the phone. He called several times a day. At first, neither of us knew what he was saying. Then one night, one of my brothers told us that he was telling my parents that he was going to hurt me, and later my sister. Things got complicated after that. My dad had called the police, but as this was before there were any stalking laws, there was not a lot they could do. They told my parents to call back if he tried anything. My dad then called a friend of his from back in the day, who happened to be a cop. For the next month, my dad's friend escorted me to and from school. Suddenly, life as I knew it became screeching to a halt. I couldn't walk home alone. I couldn't play outside. I couldn't walk to Super America, sort of like a 7-Eleven for those who don't know. Then one afternoon, my sister, two of my brothers, my mom and I were in the kitchen. One of my brothers saw a glimpse of someone in the garage. They seen him too, Dr. Ramsey came bolting out of the garage. My brothers chasing after him. They ran all the way to Cherokee Park, where he lost them in the trees. My parents called the police again, but nothing came out of it. The only information they had was a description and a name that was almost certainly fake. A couple weeks later, we woke to find our dog hanging from the side porch. She was a gorgeous saddle back, German Shepherd. Born the same day I was, we were all devastated. The cops said there was no evidence it was him and ruled it is accidental, but none of us believe that. His phone calls became more informative in the meantime. He would talk about who was home and who wasn't. If my brother would say my dad was home, he would tell him who was really in the house. He also would talk about the house itself about the window in the kitchen he could easily open with a knife from the outside even when it was locked, and about the French doors that connected the living room to the side porch and how the lock could be finagled from the outside if you jiggled it just right. That night, my dad put in some carpenter nails at the bottom of the French doors until he could get a new lock order. My parents had gone to a company event for my dad's work. My older brothers were at Saints West Roller Skating Rink. My sister was on the phone with her best friend. My little brother was on the floor asleep. I was watching Devo on the midnight special with Wolfman Jack. It was late. Suddenly, the top of the French door swung inward. And in a few milliseconds before the nails in the bottom caused them to snap back, I could see his silhouette. My sister whipped the phone to the television and we ran up the stairs. About halfway up, we realized our little brother was still asleep on the living room floor. As quietly as we could, we slipped back down the stairs to get him. We all went into our bedroom and didn't turn on the light. This way we could see outside. We watched out the window for a while. And when we didn't find him, we crept down the hall to our brother's room to look. We looked down and could see someone standing at the back door. He knocked loudly. What do you want? My sister asked out the window. He stepped back and said, is this the Mercy residence? I have a pizza for delivery. Can you come to the door? She scoffed at him, declaring she was not stupid. She could see he didn't have a pizza and she was calling the cops. He left. A short while later, my brothers returned home. We told them what happened and they walked around the yard watching for him. 
they came back in and things settled down. By now we pretty much given up calling the cops because it never helped. So we just went back in, each of us, except my younger brother, still asleep, carrying a knife from the kitchen just in case. Eventually, one of my brothers went into the kitchen to get a bowl of cereal as a snack. You know that sensation you get when you can just feel someone watching you? Yeah, he had that in spades. He kept looking around the kitchen through the doorway into the dining room at the windows. He didn't see anything, but he could still feel eyes on him. So he went closer to the door to try to see better. The kitchen lights were reflecting on the windows of the door. It had three rows of three windows, so he couldn't still see. He stepped closer and closer again until he's right up to the door, then cupped his hands on either side of his head so he could see. There are the other side of the window pane was Dr. Ramsey, smiling back at him. He turned to yell for my older brothers. When he looked back again, he was gone. They went out again to look for him but didn't see him. A couple weeks later, I was at school and we were outside on the playground during recess. I was swinging upside down when I saw the now familiar blue Ford Galaxy cruising by, moving slowly. There he was, smiling and waving. He called my name and I ran to the teacher and told her. The school had been told all about him and she took me aside right away and called my mom. That same day, my mom had gotten a call from the school office asking her to verify that my dad was picking me up. As he'd called to say he was on his way, he wasn't. Not long after that, I woke up one night thirsty. I went down to the kitchen for a drink and there, sitting alone in the dark, was my dad. On the table, a gun. He was tired of the police waiting until Dr. Ramsey tried something. He was tired of his children being terrorized. He was tired of being afraid every time he left for work that something would happen to us while he was gone. I sat with him for a time, watching before he sent me back to bed. These events and many more took place over a period of around 18 months. Then, as suddenly as it began, it was over. He had vanished from our lives. The phone calls, the drive-by with the creepy waves, everything for a long time. During and after the Dr. Ramsey days, I would have a recurring nightmare in which I wake up to find him standing over me as I slept. It took a long time before I felt like a kid again. I didn't know what happened to him when he disappeared. I don't know if he was in a car wreck, locked in prison, in a coma, but sometimes I wonder if the wait ended for my dad when he was sitting in the darkened kitchen one night. I don't know, and I'm not sure I want to. Alright guys, that was some creepy stuff, but I didn't realize how long this podcast was. As a matter of fact, let me know if you like the longer podcast because I'm used to making the short ones. And, you know, a lot of people, I haven't heard anything about, you know, anyone saying they prefer them longer. So let me know if that's too long for you or if you prefer to sit down and listen to those. But... I am, y'all got me up at 1 a.m. reading these creepy stories. I am watching over my shoulder right now. So I think I will do a part two to these. I didn't realize I only read a few and it was almost 30 minutes long. So, yeah, I will hit you guys next time. I'm going to do another episode real soon because I know I took long to do this when I was sick. So, yeah, 
I'll hit you guys back up. Peace.